Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back, Queen City. This is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ in Queen City. You, your family, and friends are invited to the best 4th of July fireworks show in the Southeast, the 2023 WBT Sky Show, brought to you in part by Audi Charlotte and Dry Otter Waterproofing. For more information, visit the WFNZ.com or visit WFNZ.com. Also, while you're on WFNC.com, if you didn't get a chance to check out the show or you love what we're talking about or you want to check out past episodes, check out the Wes and Walker podcast, Apple podcast or the WFNZ app, wherever you get your podcast, check out Wes and Walker. So you tease going into the break about Mitch Kupchak of the Charlotte Hornets talking about he wants to get a leader in free agency. But is that leader already there on the roster and growing up as we speak, there was an article that came out before the draft in the Charlotte Observer talking about LaMelo Ball, how he's been around the franchise a lot more than usual. Uh, Mitch talked about how he's been there every day. He's hung out with new ownership, hanging out with MJ. He was a part of the, the process in the draft, not in the way that you would think as far as having a say, but just coming in, checking out the guys, working out as well. So with all of those things, and Mitch said this isn't something that's been typical of LaMelo to this point, but now he just seems to be all in and at the facility seemingly all the time. Do you feel like LaMelo is growing into that guy? Can he be that guy? What did you make of just how much more he's been showing face around the Spectrum Center these days. I'll tell you, I don't think it's all that different from what LaMelo has been the last few years. He might be around the facilities a lot more now, but he's always been someone that has embraced Charlotte, which has always been counter to what people have talked about with LaMelo, not being able to wait until he can leave the city of Charlotte to go to L.A. or to go to this big-time city so he can truly be a star. That has always been outside noise. It's never really been coming from anybody in LaMelo's camp. The only time we could ever even sniff that conversation was when he discussed bringing help around him and that he didn't want to necessarily predict anything that might happen in the future, but that was it. There's never been anything coming from his camp that he can't wait to leave the city of Charlotte. He's always embraced it. He stayed here during off seasons before. He might be around the facilities in greater frequencies these days, but he's around the team all the time anyway. Teammates love LaMelo as the guy, and certainly on the court, LaMelo will find you. You always have to be paying attention for the basketball. And so this kind of brings in a different point. But LaMelo is going to be eligible to sign the rookie max extension on July 1st. And when July 1st rolls around, he could stand to make over $200 million dollars which allows him to make more money and be guaranteed more of that money for a longer time 
than what any other team could roll with because of the rules that are a part of the CBA that is supposed to help small small market teams keep their talent. And nobody has turned that type of contract down. There was real conversation for Zion. People were watching that situation and thinking, okay, this is dicey enough to where maybe Zion wants to get out of New Orleans badly enough that maybe he turns it down. But he didn't, and now he's making $50 million a year. I don't expect Lamella to do this, and these are great signs that he could be that leader once he makes this type of money. And also it might be just an unspoken factor into him growing into a leader like, oh, okay, this is big dog. This is the dude making 50 mil. This is the type of guy that the team is not questioning whether they should give him this rookie max extension because they're going to give it to him and they absolutely should. And I think that type of factor is going to speak very loudly when it comes to, okay, who's the leader on this team? Oh, it's the highest paid dude. That's also the only all-star. And I've talked about before uh, just this Hornets team and how much guys like each other. Do they have a guy that's willing to say the uncomfortable things to one another? And for LaMelo, when you talk about that, I I feel like his forte and leadership style may not be to bark on somebody or, or to be vicious and then uh, by any means necessary type of leadership style. But I think that for Melo, too, he's such a fun-loving guy, and he's always so upbeat that I think his his mode of leadership where you know he's serious is going to be him being serious. I think when he gets to a point with guys where he's talking to them in the not-silly, playful tone anymore, and he's like, look, guys, you know, we got to win. This isn't acceptable. I think that's going to be what gets through to guys uh, I wish that maybe he would kind of adapt a little bit more of viciousness as far as to his game, but that's just not who he is. And I think he prefers to lead by what he does on the court. And then I think, like I said, just when he gets to a stern uh, type of tone with his voice, I think guys will know that that's an indication that they need to get it together. I do think he can be that guy by default because he's the point guard. I do think him coming around the facility and things like that are him further embracing the fact that this is his franchise. Uh, I think also just him coming around, checking out the draft picks and and things of that nature. I think he's really just immersing himself and starting the, the steps of showing, hey, this is my franchise. I want to take more ownership of it. And so do you feel like the fact that Mitch said what he said and we're talking about LaMelo in this role, that this is an indictment on Terry Rozier or Gordon Hayward as far as the leadership that has not seemingly been there thus far. It's more of an indictment on them than it is LaMelo. Because LaMelo is 21 years old right now. He's going to be 22 in August. Still a very young guy in the league. Terry Rozier is older. Gordon Hayward, those are the two veterans you should be looking at as these leaders. And I like Terry. And I think a lot of the young guys like Terry. He's shown leadership in the fact that he always brings together the players in Miami. We've had those Miami trips that the Hornets fan base is actually familiar with. Kind of interesting that an off-season event for them that's not an organized league event like Summer League or anything like that, that, that's a well-known thing that Terry puts together. So that is one example of leadership. But Terry also goes to the podium, goes in front of everyone and discusses how they need to turn it up on defense and then is not a great defender. Right. And that's why it's always kind of fallen on deaf ears as far as I'm concerned. When you go in front of everyone and say, we got to turn up the defensive intensity. And then Terry Rozier, in my opinion, doesn't really turn up the defensive intensity. And he still has problems on that end of the floor. Miles Bridges, very same thing. Even despite all the off the court issues that he's gone through over the last year, Miles would also go to the mic, 
tell you that they need to play better defense and then get beat back door in critical times of the matchup. And so that is the type of thing I wonder if Mitch Kupchak is looking at when asking for a leader. And you talk about soft-spoken. Gordon Hayward is not about to be out here doing that right. stuff. And I don't know if there's this reputation. I, you hear things about that kind of reputation. It's not like I'm reporting anything. I don't have sources or anything like that. But you do hear that Gordon isn't exactly the guy that is taking these dudes under his wings and showing them the way. He's good on the court. He knows how to make the right play. He's always going to swing the basketball to the place it's supposed to be, get to a spot. If you need a half-court possession that ends in a bucket and there's six seconds left on the shot clock, Gordon can be that guy. But as far as the leader off of the court mentality, I'm not sure that Gordon Hayward has that. And so maybe Mitch, using the mid-level exception, before you actually get to the luxury tax, where I doubt the owners want to do that without an outright playoff team, I wonder where you can find that leader to come in and be a guy on the court as well as in the locker room. And if they can find that guy, you know, whether it be a familiar face in a Bismack Biombo or whether it be just somebody else new that you would want to bring into the organization. Yeah, I mean, if you want to bring in somebody that's going to exhibit leadership for one, it's either going to have to be a veteran player that has been there, done that in this league, or a current player who is doing that. And it's a good player and a guy that God's respect. Nobody's going to listen to a guy that's not a baller. And so I feel like that uh, this is an indictment on Terry and Gordon. And so when I was doing Hornets, I do remember I'm not going to reveal said source, but that was where I kind of got the idea and the ideology that the one is they just they like each other too much and they're not willing to to say uncomfortable things to each other they kind of bring about the type of changes that they're talking about it's like you said terry gets up there and if he says hey we need to you know be more locked in on defense but then you're not and then uh do you have a guy that can say those types of things to guys when the mess hits the fan and say mm-hmm. it to them in a way that they might not be so happy about but they're going to do it and so that's what you're looking for. Gordon Hayward also, I feel like, in a lot of ways, doesn't relate to those guys. You can just see it out there uh, on the court. So that's another reason I feel like he's not going to step up and say something. And so I think that, uh, yeah, it is. I, I don't think you get the requisite leadership that you need from the veterans on this roster. And I feel like that's why they need to, uh, they feel the need to go out and find it because it's not there at the moment. And LaMelo uh, is still growing and coming to his own as a young player. So talking about uh, summertime trips and things of that nature, summer league on the horizon, Brandon Miller going to be there. We saw Wemby is going to also be playing uh, for the Spurs. That was in doubt just a little bit, but how much could Brandon Miller help himself with a great showing in summer league, especially when they take on Wimby and the Spurs. Yeah, I think this is going to be a highly anticipated summer league. We could get a little hostile once again, because it was a hostile debate between Hornets fans on who you wanted, Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, so much to the point where people were booing at the Spectrum Center once they named Brandon Miller that second overall selection. Well, in this summer league schedule, you're going to be facing Victor Wembanyama, the number one overall pick. That game going to be taking place at 9 p.m. on July 7th. So you are not too far away from that game. And Wimby's first game, assuming that he plays summer league, and he, he did tell us that he would, after initial reports, I believe they were t- saying maybe he doesn't yeah. play. So now it looks like Wimby's going to suit up. Going to be his first NBA organized action against the Charlotte Hornets again July 7th. July 9th, they'll play the Lakers. And then July 11th, 8.30, Hornets going to be suiting up against Portland. And you're going to have Brandon Miller, 
versus Scoot Henderson before they end with uh, a game against the Pelicans. Um, they also have a couple of other games, too. I think they have six total, but those those are the first few. That game against Portland, whoever outperforms the other one, the other side is going to be feeling all sorts of chest pounding. No question about it. And it's not going to have any future indication on which guy is going to be better, but I don't think you're going to be able to tell the other side that. And look, even for me, who was a Scoot fan coming into this, if Scoot Henderson goes out there and scores 25 points and dishes out seven dimes and gets you five rebounds on good shooting and Brandon doesn't have anything close to that, it's summer league. It's not going to be any future indicator. We've seen ballers in summer league. Remember how much Davion Mitchell was getting all this love a couple of years ago? Right. Davion didn't come close to winning rookie of the year. Davion Mitchell is somebody that's fighting for rotation minutes on a good team that saw themselves reach the three seed in the Western Conference playoff picture. So summer league, it's great when you play well. I'm not asking Brandon to play bad. I'm just not going to use that as any evidence as to who won the draft when you're talking about three games into their summer league career, that's not going to be the type of message I spread. Well, I look at this a couple of ways. I think that Wemby, I see him as a small forward. I think he and Brandon Miller are going to match up a few times. And so for me, I look at the intangibles here. What's the mentality coming into summer league? Is Brandon Miller out to prove a point? I think that's what I'm looking for. Is he going to come out and have a big game every night? in the summer league, but especially going to take it to Wimby and the Spurs and Scoot and the Blazers. I want to see that, even though it may not be an indication of future success or what he's going to do this season, but I still want to see mentality. What type of dog? What type of dog is it in there? Is it an old nasty dog that's just going to bite everything that moves, or is it a dog (laughs) that's going to whimper a little bit? That's what I want to see from him. Uh, Will he decide to really take it to Scoot when they play just to show, hey, I'm the number two guy, and I should have been, and you should not have. So that's the thing I look at that, and that's the question that I ask there. Uh, Real quick, up against the break, though, uh, Nick Smith Jr., do you have big expectations for him in Summer League and what he could show? I'm excited to see him. I I think with them going back and forth from first they're going to be playing Sacramento and then going to Vegas, so I think you have about six games on their schedule. I wonder if that is going to leave the door open for more Nick Smith minutes and maybe you don't get as much. I don't know. I think Bryce McGowan's will still be a featured player, but they have a lot of young guys that they're going to try to fit through the rotation because of the draft picks, right? So you have four from this class, Brandon Miller, James Najee, Nick Smith Jr., as you just mentioned, also Amari Bailey. Go to back to Bryce McGowan's last year. I wonder if JT Thor and Kai Jones, James Booknight, are these going to be three-year guys that are now veterans of Summer League with this being their third go-around? So I, I wonder just how many minutes Nick Smith is going to get. I think he's going to get enough, right? He's He's got to get right. an opportunity. First rounder. But if you're talking about who is going to be the star in this Summer League, and we really start to dissect it that way, I think you might see better numbers from a Brandon, who's your second overall pick, from Bryce McGowans, who is going into a second year, and also somebody that this team really likes moving forward, Steve Clifford especially. So it might be hard for him to really make a huge impression, but maybe he does in the quote-unquote limited minutes, however limited those might be. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. Yeah, I expect a, a, a decent amount from Nick Smith. I'm talking about him being a potential lottery pick, so I can't wait to see what he's going to do in the summer league as well. But when we come back on the Weston Walker Show, how many leaders do the Panthers have on their roster on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ? McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. listeners got a random text because Wes was talking about how much you got that dog in you Michael the 49er fan one of our buddies we got to see out at the Carolina Ale House a couple months back a lot of fun hanging out with him he went on a random tangent about the whole dog in you thing he said man we need to stop putting pit bulls in the x-rays of people and start putting chihuahuas everyone stereotypes pits but I've never met a mean one unless you aggravate it but almost every little damn chihuahua I've met are all little freaking devils. Damn ankle biters need to get the all caps hell out of here. I had one coming at me the other day. I I'm just looking at it like, get out of here. <laughs> would, would it hit the same if you saw some of those photos go along with the memes and it's actually just a little chihuahua looking back at you in the x-ray? <laughs> Uh, I don't know that it would hit the same, man, but they do have a lot of... You got to give them credit for the heart they have, though, man. It's a deep cut. You would have to look past the picture and just understand how they are, but I like the angry brand, to which West replied, go Niners. That's it. (laughs) That's (laughs) my man with brothers and, uh, you know, Niner brothers. Yeah, he said bang, bang, baby. That's right. All right, so that is the, uh, the back and forth between... Michael, the 49er fan, and Wes Bryant, and Michael gave you a little bit of the dog in him rant. I did want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins because Sal Pal Antonio apparently went on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, one of the last shows that they're going to host, by the way, because ESPN is getting rid of that show. Yeah. Um, but it did seem Sal Pal Antonio went on to talk about the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. He did say that New England is the leader in the clubhouse, but that the Carolina Panthers are, quote, lurking. He also said Cleveland is lurking for sure. And then he said this, but if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, do I want to go to Carolina with a rookie QB? Do I want to go to Cleveland? Or do I want to go to New England where I can be coached by Bill Belichick? Wes, I'm going to ask you. Mm -hmm. I know you love Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. I love him too. If you wanted to put yourself on the outside, try to be an objective viewer here, 30-year-old wide receiver trying to chase a championship, and maybe it could happen within a couple of years with a team with a young QB, you tell me, how attractive is it for a wide receiver to come here with this Panthers organization right now and sign a couple-of-year deal with them? Is it an attractive site? Uh, I think of the three quarterbacks that you're talking about, I feel like that... Deshaun last year, he's he's got a lot to prove coming off of that. And you hear the reports that he's better and he's happy and starting to get back to a, a, a different place. 
But right now, I think Bryce Young would be the quarterback I would like to play with out of the three. Then you talk about what chance do I have to get to the playoffs. I think Carolina in this division, kind of by default, even though I still like the Saints the most, but this team is going to be competitive in this division, a chance to get to the playoffs. So that's another check over them because you talk about New England and you've got Buffalo and Miami and the Jets in that division. I don't think New England uh, comes out of that one unless they just have some type of phenomenal season. And then the Cleveland Browns, they also have to deal with Cincinnati, Baltimore, and a rising Pittsburgh Steelers team. So Carolina, to me, if I want to get to the postseason, I could come in here and be the de facto number one unquestioned here. And I'm playing with a rookie quarterback that seems to be veteran-like as far as how fast he's picking things up and the way he's doing things. I think I come to Carolina and I'm, you know, being unbiased here. I gave you all the reasons from a team standpoint and quarterback standpoint. I think Carolina offers him the best situation. I think it's perfectly fair to assume that Bryce Young is the better quarterback compared to Mac Jones. It was not a good year for Mac last year. Now, I expect Mac Jones to play better because they actually have an offensive coordinator up there in Foxborough now compared to what they had in Matt Patricia. They had a defensive coordinator as the offensive coordinator. It never made any sense. Even if you don't like Bill O'Brien as a head coach, which is totally fine, offensively, I think he's a pretty gifted mind. So I think he's going to help you out once you talk about him and Mac Jones. With Cleveland, you could have that attractiveness going back and playing with Deshaun Watson because it was the very Bill O'Brien who got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. And so I actually wonder if the Bill O'Brien, DeAndre Hopkins relationship is fixed enough to where he would go to New England. But also you're talking about Deshaun. Do you want to, here's what's happening with DeAndre right now. Do you want to reunite with a couple of figures that you had in your heyday right? with Bill O'Brien and Deshaun, very different stretches of their careers, or do you want to do something completely new? And work with a rookie QB, which I guess that's not so new. But do you want to play with a rookie QB who seems very polished, who seems accurate, and play with a coaching staff that, no, it's not Bill Belichick, but, man, it's well put together. And if DeAndre's on this team, Wes, it's hard to look. The cornerback depth is always going to be a problem. David Newton wrote on ESPN that he expects them to sign a veteran edge rusher, even more, even if Marquise Haynes has been one of the bigger bright spots in OTAs and minicamp and stuff like that. So maybe he has a bigger role than even expected. But I know that the wide receiver group for the people that have been ranking them dead last or second to last, it wouldn't be that way anymore. If they went to go get Deandre Hopkins and they actually landed him. man, you would have to feel really good about this Panther squad, especially if Adam Thielen goes to the de facto two. DJ Chark is your deep threat. Terrace Marshall, now you don't have as much pressure on and him to break out. That's going to be interesting, though. Who's going to suffer from this? Uh, because you're talking about Mingo, a guy that's coming in that looks to be ready to contribute from all accounts at this point. We'll see once the pads come on. DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, I mean, what would that do? I know guys would say on the surface that they're excited about it, but who's going to take the L from this move? Because somebody's going to get way less balls thrown their way and so for guys they're going to automatically be demoted down a slot and so then who becomes okay you said DeAndre one Thielen two chart three well the Panthers aren't going to run up probably a ton of four and five wide receiver sets so then you start to talk about between TMJ and Mingo who's going to win that battle and be the fourth and fifth guys potentially 
Mingo, I feel like that could maybe stun his growth if he ends up being a fourth or fifth guy on the roster. So I think that would be very interesting in a lot of ways, but the Panthers aren't thinking about it that way. They want to bring in a talent, a guy that's regarded as a alpha number one guy. But I think that, you know, some guys, they'll be happy about it, but in the back of their heads, they're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that means uh, my role's going to change. It'd be really hard for Shy Smith to make this team. Oh, you're done. LaVisca Chenault, same thing, too. Yeah. If you keep six wide receivers, which is a lot, but teams will do it. If you keep six wide receivers, then Chenault might be that guy. But I think you can put Mingo in the Chenault role where you just throw a lot of out, just a lot of routes where he's just coming out of the backfield. You could put me and I think Mingo can do more. I, if LaVisca Chenault's been in the league for a few years and Jacksonville was willing to give up on him and trade him, Carolina used him in a very specific way. <laughs> they only used him out of the backfield and throwing towards the flats. And that was it. If Mingo can do that and more, and he's just the type of guy that you want to groom, but right now just get the football in his hands and see what he can do. You could put him in that LaVisca role, ask him to do more than that. Terrace Marshall, you talk about Mingo's growth being stunted. I wonder if there still is that factor with TMJ because he did show you last year. He was the second leading receiver. And then you could talk about this year where he's been showing out offensively in camp. If Marquise is the guy on defense showing out, I think Terrace Marshall has gotten the most attention on offense outside of Bryce Young, who we're all paying attention to. So I would be just fine with it. Um, but you're talking about LaVisca and certainly Shai Smith. What Cut or just not a part of the real rotation? And I think one of the prominent guys could get cut or traded as well. Because especially depending on what type of deal you sign DeAndre too, because how do you view him? Do you view him as a one? And I and I specifically you, but the Panthers. I'm saying, how do you view him? Do you look at him as a guy that's coming in that's going to be here for a year? But if you're looking at him as a guy that's going to be here maybe three, four years potentially, then I think you have to make a move there. What prominent you're talking about? Any I'm saying position? out of or why? I don't receiver. think Thielen would get cut or traded, but I would say Chart, TMJ, one. Of those two, would have to go. I would. Ha- you can't. You can't cut one of those guys. I mean, you can maybe Chark. Or maybe trade them. That would be the only thing you That's could what do. I'm you can't. You can't but cut. Somebody's got to go. Well, I, I don't. I don't think so. Because if I if I like what Mingo's giving me, and I feel like he's a guy that's ready to contribute right now, I don't need one of those guys. I got Hop. That's gonna be my guy. I got Thielen as a two. Then if I want to go with um, Chark. And Mingo, let's just say I decide to go with that four. I don't need TMJ anymore. Oh, but I, I don't think that if you wanted to trade him, you better get good value. And plus, you're going to keep five wide receivers. Or you're, a chart. Too. You, yeah, you're going to 100% keep five wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So why not just keep five good ones? I mean, especially if DJ Chark has an injury history. Especially if Adam Thielen is someone that you don't trust 100%. DeAndre Hopkins... He played 10 games in 2021. This past year, I know he had the PED suspension, so that's kind of faulty to say that he might miss more games, but he is 31 years old right now. I'm cool with keeping a deep wide receiving class. Hell, it's going from one of the worst in the league, at least ranked by a lot of of publications, to it being pretty deep, and now you have a number one again. Mm -hmm. So I I would be just fine with keeping all of these guys. I think Terrace Marshall probably would be the guy that's the most frustrated. Because if you're Thielen... You've already had your number one year production. I don't expect him to be a 1,000-yard receiver, whether DeAndre is here or not. So you put him at the two. I think that probably suits him better at this career a little bit more so. Yeah. DJ Chark, you know, maybe it hurts him. I mean, it, it's going to take away footballs from a lot of these guys. 
But with Terrace, this being his opportunity, and then you bring DeAndre Hopkins in, he would be the guy I would agree with. I, I don't think you don't have to trade him. You don't have to cut him. You, I, I would hate it if they cut him. That'd be dumb in my opinion. But he would be the guy that'd be the most frustrated because of an opportunity seemingly taken away. Yeah, no doubt about it. Because like I said, I think that if he comes in, Hopkins plays, the majority of the games, at least, I think this is a guy, you know, he's going to put up a lot of numbers, and I think he's going to be Bryce Young's go-to receiver. You could. I am interested to see who becomes that target because also you have Hayden Hurst here who isn't going to have to be cut because he's not a receiver, but right. he also is somebody that's going to have the football thrown to him a lot. Big Cat Dan wrote this in. It would be the Panthers' QB situation in New England, then Watson. They still have to get back. He still has to get back to his old self. This path to the playoffs and the Super Bowl is a little harder in the AFC. He would have the number one and has better path through the NFC and NFC South. I'm guessing number one pick is what Big Cat Dan was writing there. Syracuse DJ said, I would put TMJ at three, maybe cut Chark depending on his contract. Now, they only brought Chark in for one year, and I don't know what the cap hit would be, but it wasn't for a lot of money. So I guess Chark could be that casualty. Um, that could be somebody there. 704 said, what a joke. Why get rid of our young stud receivers for washed PED DeAndre Hopkins? Mm, hard <laughs> shot right there. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, yeah, you don't have to. You could have both. And I think that's what I do think this is the conversation Carolina is having right now. Is it worth bringing in an older wide receiver because you want that bona fide number one, at least for one season? And especially now to help Bryce Young be the young QB to transition in the NFL. These are all good questions to ask, and it's why Carolina has to be lurking. And we've heard that DeAndre, when things are going his way, isn't the most uh, happy camper. He's not. I don't. He's not some cancer to the locker room, mm -hmm. but he's somebody that wants the football. And I understand the guy's really <laughs> right. talented. And so, of course, you would want the football. I'll say this, too, in regards to DeAndre, this is the first time I feel like we've heard Carolina's interest. We've always just talked about it with DeAndre being available. Once the Cardinals cut him, we talked about him as a trade target. We all kind of agreed. Don't necessarily want to get rid of that 39th overall selection to go get DeAndre. So maybe you just hold off until he's possibly dropped. It was always a hypothetical. But now we actually have a report that Carolina is interested. No one should be surprised. Because Scott Fitterer is going to do the in-on-every-deal thing. And so Carolina is always a possibility. Whoever is out there, Carolina is always a possibility. Yeah. And they're always going to be in the mix to possibly sign player X. But this is the first time that we've heard Carolina's interest rather than just talk about it as a hypothetical. Yeah, and I think that when you look at the landscape of this division, I think this is a move that Fitterer and the guys could look at as a potential over the hump type of a move. I think they may identify that receiver room and say, hey, yeah, we know we got Mingo and he looks like he may contribute, but this is a guy that they could bring in and be the difference in a matchup. Maybe you get a defensive game down the line against the Falcons or the Saints um, or maybe even the Buccaneers, just depending what's on the line and what the standings are looking like. They can make that play for you to possibly win you the division. I don't know what DeAndre would bring as a leader. Uh, maybe he could come in and help out. I don't know about the young receivers with the Cardinals, their relationship. I think you're bringing in DeAndre as somebody that can help on the football field right now. And he's from a production standpoint. Adam Thielen, I think you are using him as a leader. I think they went far and beyond to show that 
with the Panthers blueprint series that was shown episode two dropped yesterday. I think they tried to show, yeah, Thielen can be someone that teaches some of these younger guys. James Campen specifically, uh, specifically called out Adam Thielen in episode one as a dude that you could learn from quite a bit. So there's no doubt they brought Thielen in to be a leader. If they bring Hopkins in, they're not bringing him in to be a leader. I think they're bringing him in because he's a 1,000-yard receiver, yes, even at 31 years old. Yeah, I would agree with you as well, man. As I said, he would be that guy, I feel like, for Bryce Young from day one. We know DeAndre is vocal. We've seen him mix it up with guys on the field. So I think it would be interesting just to see that dynamic. Then you talk about the leadership with Adam Thielen. Uh, does that now shift to a guy like Hopkins because he is so well-respected and with what he's done in this league, would that diminish Adam Thielen's leadership any? So I think it's a lot of interesting dynamics to look at this signing from and what the Panthers will decide to do. Another question before we move on to shropping it like it's hot. I wonder if that would take away some of the money to look at opposite edge rusher. Does that just completely take that position off the table? Are you starting to spend less money if you want to have cornerback depth? If it comes at the expense of some of these other plans that you had in the future, yeah. then that's another interesting conversation. I think at the end, Wes, there are too many of these questions that we're having that it's probably not going. You have to answer yes to each question to get to a different stage and eventually signing them. And I think there's too many steps along the way. I think there's yeah, I think there's too many steps along the way for you to eventually land in the area of we're going to go sign DeAndre. And then the last stage facing Bowser, if you're Mario, is, oh, DeAndre actually has to want to play with you, too. So you have to get through all of that before he's a member of the Carolina Panthers. All right, Troppy, we decided to bring you back on. It was a fantastic addition to the midday. Let's drop it like it's hot. What you got, Shrop? Well, first off, I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Shropkins, right here in mm. the producer chair. Yes, sir. So uh, we're actually looking at the NHL as they had their award ceremony last night. Connor McDavid wins the Hart Trophy, which is the MVP trophy. He won that for the third time in his career. He also won the Rocket Richard Trophy for having the most goals with uh, 64. And he won his fifth Art Ross Trophy with uh, leading the league with 153 points, which was 30 points higher than his previous career high. Hmm. He's just insane. He's put up the most production of points since we've uh, since Mario Lemieux in 1995. And obviously, he still hasn't touched any of uh, Wayne Gretzky's numbers, but he's about as close as we have right now to someone of that caliber, and he's just amazing to watch. As the person who knows the least about hockey in this room, presumably, is it fair to say that Connor McDavid is in the Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby category? Oh, yeah. Can oh, we yeah. talk about oh, him. Yeah. He might even be better than I think, uh, right. those guys. Yeah, because he's put up more points right now than they ever did in their prime. Yeah, I might be a hype beast and get a Connor McDavid jersey. That's fine. Go ahead. Do you have a Connor McDavid jersey? I don't. No, uh, I don't have any Oilers jerseys. That's something I need to Add to that the color collection. scheme is great. It Big is. fan of the orange and blue. Yes, the yep. old Cavs jerseys come to mind as well mm-hmm. with that color scheme. Yep. That was a good one. I would uh, sign off on both of that in case you want my opinion. All right, let's move on. Let's bring in Willie P. He decided to join us in studio. We should feel so lucky. It's the first time he's done it in quite some time. He, assumingly, joins us next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Mama, there goes that man. Walking into the Planet Kia Studios just in time when we appreciate you listening to us. Wes and Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We teased it. I thought we were going to get to make fun of him, but we're not going to. He showed up really, I mean quite literally, as the intro was playing. There's Willie P walking into the studios. Willie, how are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you guys? (laughs) We're doing great, man. Are you still catching your breath a little bit? No, no, it's all right. It was a really bad accident on 77, though. When I when mm-hmm. I left my house, I left my house at 1 o'clock. Usually it takes me 25, 30 minutes. And apparently it's an accident, like, right at Remount, right before you get off on uh, 277. Mm. So I, I did the little back roads uh, scenario and uh, there you go. just plopped in. Well, and I know time flies when you're experiencing all the fun that comes with retirement. Michael, yeah, the 49er yeah, fan, Michael, yeah. the 49er fan said, congrats on retiring Willie. So people are writing that in a lot on the text line. And so really, it's it's awesome. Thank you for sharing some of your uh, free time with us. <laughs> Shaked Bartal <laughs> is the gift that keeps on giving on Twitter because I just put a little, you know, sentimental thing about it being my first time. Back in the radio station since uh, four years ago. Yesterday was my uh, first show at WFNZ. and uh, Four-year anniversary, right? Yeah, basically. And so uh, he said, congratulations on the retirement. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I never said I was retiring, pal. Like, hmm. what? What are we doing here? And then people started piling on. Well, you know, I can, no, no good deed goes unpunished, apparently, with me in this radio station. Because there's never <laughs> anything that I can do. That doesn't get summarily ripped to shreds. <laughs> I can't. I can't just go in for a. I just can't go in for a little layup. I gotta get dunked on like I'm like I'm Jordan over Matumbo. You well, know. All right. Let me take this to the fan base. Let me take this to the listeners and the people also in the studio. I think we're Willie messed up just a little bit. Is the fact that he quote tweeted it. You quote tweeted Shaked's tweet right yes. about retiring. And so if you just respond. Mm. Maybe it goes unscathed. So you're saying the extra attention on it has has given him a little bit. Maybe just not even respond at all. That's another way to go about it. Yes, that would, that would been interesting. Uh, the but fact I, that I shed more light on it mm-hmm. has allowed this thing to snowball and uh, and mushroom. Should he have just replied instead of quote tweeted for all the world to see? Yeah, probably reply. What do you think, Shroppy? Do you think the reply is the best way to go there? I just would have avoided. Everything. Okay. So it's you're fun. you're saying do not. Re- you're just saying. So you guys are anti quote yeah. tweet guys. Well, yeah. Well, no. I'm just not if anti, you, but if you just want to keep it quiet, I understand. Is what I would you say. just didn't learn from the dry brisket incident, dude. 
Yeah. Well, wow. that's Fitty. That's Fitty's fault. Wow. Part. You know, Fitty just did not take, let him take, live. Take take yeah. Fitty's bit and run with it. Interesting. <laughs> that's well, the look, text line's bit now. He's got to he's got to fill the role. That's yeah. what he's got to do. Uh, Panther Bo saying coming out of retirement like Brett Favre. We appreciate Brett <laughs> Willie Favre. Hopefully, it joining goes a little us. better than that. Uh, yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope that that does go a lot better indeed. All right. Let's talk about Charlotte FC. Earned three straight draws. They just can't get back in the win column. How does that impact uh, impact their chances at making the postseason? I think from from Charlotte's standpoint, uh, a draw is still better than a win. I think we've said this each of the last couple of times they've had this scenario. But I think the thing that I come back to is is how honestly Christian Latanzio called his players out after the game on Saturday. He said, "Look, you know, I take these guys like they're my sons, and I tell them they have to be better." And Unfortunately, from Charlotte FC's perspective, the clinical finishing was just not there. You give credit to their goalkeeper, Jonathan Sirwa, who put a, a whale of a game on and had a couple of very big saves, including a couple of very point-blank chances that Charlotte FC had that they couldn't finish. And it's a scenario from Charlotte's perspective where a year ago at this time, they had 26 points to their name with eight wins and two draws. They have more results now with 20, uh, with 20 games played. But less points. They've got six wins and six draws compared to this year, this past year where they had only eight results overall. So it's really difficult to kind of juxtapose those two different things. But I think going forward, Charlotte FC is going to have a lot more options with their attack, given some of the players are getting back and some of the players that they're adding to the roster, like Scott Arfield from Rangers FC, who will be available for Charlotte uh, next Wednesday, or at least pending his visa approval. So from that aspect, Charlotte can definitely, I think, take this draw and at least try to spin it forward positively because they are still getting those results. And I think the other part of this too, Walker, is that they at least got themselves a clean sheet, which is something that has been very much a hard thing for them to come by. They've been leaking goals more than anybody else in MLS. Willie P, when you talk about those ties, though, from a team standpoint to a man, how deflating or encouraging are these draws right now for Charlotte FC with where they currently sit? Like, as far as team morale goes. Well, it's it's something that, that we in American sports aren't used to, you know, the, the unsettling nature of what a draw means. And a draw in the sport is looked at as a good result. Like get, getting draws are better than losing. It's just the way the, of the sport. It's something that's hard for our American brains to, to really comprehend because I think overseas you look at a draw and say, okay, at least it's a draw. That's where you start out basically at that point. So... I understand folks who are frustrated in that you've had three consecutive draws, but not all draws are created equal. We came back here after the Seattle contest feeling fortunate that Charlotte FC got a draw in that outfit. I think you came after the Wednesday game against New York Red Bulls fortunate as well that they got a draw because they had played that game in the first half incredibly, but they were as good as they were in the first half. They were not so in the second half. So, like I said before, not all these are created equal. I think this is one from Charlotte FC's perspective where you feel like it's a missed opportunity, but at the same time, it's better that they didn't concede or that uh, the opposition banged a goal and then possibly ran out and stole all three points. At least you come out of it with something. All right, Willie, and so for those who don't know uh, in soccer terms, what is a, a lack of finesse? And how is it hurting this Charlotte FC team? Because they talked about how that hurt them down the stretch. So the goal is such a a moving target a lot of times for players. And so a lot of times the way a defense will set up against you is that they will put all their guys back and bunker. And so it takes that extra level of creativity to put the ball where the opposition doesn't have its players. And a lot of times this is done with switches to the opposite side of the field. And a lot of it's also done with just 
ingenuity and creativity from central attacking midfielders. Well, right now, Charlotte FC is having to do it with a lot of ball switching. And as a result, it has made a lot of their moments very predictable. And so as a result, they did have a lot of moments on Saturday where they could actually get themselves in the spaces where the defense weren't. They just didn't make the finishing happen. And that's that extra level of finesse. That's what they call it, that an extra level of creativity and ability to finish. And that's unfortunately what's lacking right now from Charlotte. And it's something that I feel like Christian Latanzio and the boys are working on as they have, you know, another eight days before they play again against New York City FC. The voice of Charlotte FC, Willie P, joining us in the Planet Kia studios. Willie, the League's Cup right around the corner. Can you mm-hmm. tell us about the competition, what we should expect from the club after their showing in the U.S. Open? So this is interesting and unique, guys, because what MLS is trying to do is kind of make their partnership with Liga MX, the Mexican League, be this new kind of forward-thinking thing for CONCACAF and the folks in North and Central America because – the way the Mexican League works, their league is actually wrapping up. So from their aspect, uh, they're actually in their off season. So it almost kind of plays like a preseason tournament for them. For Major League Soccer, it's actually an in-season tournament. So what they're going to do is put their league on pause, MLS, and they're going to play this in-season tournament. This is very similar to what the NBA has been looking at, uh, at least in their own league, to try and at least promote some sort of in-season tournament to give teams that might not have an ability to win the overall title something else to play for. And so that's what the League's Cup is. They've basically broken the teams down with uh, two MLS teams are in a group along with one Liga Emekis team. Charlotte FC's group is FC Dallas and uh, and Nicoxa basically is the other team. Nicoxa is out of Liga MX. Uh, so the team that actually out of MLS had had the better record last year will host two games. Charlotte FC will go to FC Dallas for one contest. And then because the Mexican leagues are playing domestically outside of their country, they'll play here in America. And so Charlotte FC will host Nacaxa for the second game of that group stage. And whoever comes out of that group will go to a knockout phase. And maybe Charlotte FC is able to go and, uh, and possibly play for another trophy. All right, Willie P. So the more important question here is the Charlotte FC, they announced that they're going to have a Marvel Hero Night on mm-hmm. July 8th where they will be giving out a oh, special coin. Are you going to dress as mm-hmm. a Marvel hero <laughs> on that night? And if you were to, which one is the front runner right I now? I mean, it's got to be Captain America, no, because they're going to give away a Captain America challenge coin uh, as a result to the first fans who go in there. Th- that'd be the one that I'd go for. Um Maybe Superman? Maybe? That, I think the Hulk, though, man. You should just go in there. No yeah. shirt. No, that, that, no, no. no. Je- Jess would have to be the Hulk, okay. I think. Because she's called the Mad Cat, after so all. But she would have to be She-Hulk, then. Basically. Okay. I don't even. I don't know some of these. I didn't even know She-Hulk yeah. was She-Hulk a... is a real character. Yeah. Okay. I just had a show that bombed on Disney+, Plus, but it is a real character. Okay. Well, I've been actually spending a lot of this interview time coming up with athletes who came out of retirement. Um, and then applying Willie P's name to them. So here's what I have so far. Uh-oh. Instead of TB12, I have TP12. What? Um, that, I have, sounds, that sounds like toilet paper 12. Yeah, not, but that's okay. Yeah. TPEE. I have, instead of Rob Gronkowski, I have Willie Gronkowski. No. Uh, no. Ricky okay. Williams. Ricky Williams. But that one's a stretch, and yeah. I can get made fun of that one. And then uh, Muhammad Al P. 
That's what I have. Yeah, Muhammad Ali is kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's what I have. If you have any better athlete Willie P mashups coming out of retirement, feel free to text them 704-570-9610. Well, glad you're making the hard-hitting decisions on this radio show. Yep, 100%. <laughs> uh, we appreciate Muhammad Ali joining us in the Planet Kia Studios. You can find him on the call for every Charlotte FC game right here Sports Radio 927 WFNP. Thanks, Willie. And- Words of Ric Flair, I will never retire. All right. Okay. I'm glad he came back in the studio, by the way. Yeah, man. Loving it. I'm here. I have things to do. I, I'm, I'm good. Back-to-back oh. weeks where we've seen you in person and talked to you. And, so. I, I, and I miss my guys. Although, I, I, I do understand that, that while Shroppy is great and all, I, I, Fitty's not here to see it. How, how, how sad. Oh, yeah. You need to go say hi to Fitty because he is misses he here? you. Yeah, he's he here. He still works here? He's yeah. he does he's working he's working. The Last I saw him, he was over in the now. side room. Yeah, gotcha. so make sure you go check him out and say happen. what's up because he's gonna cry if you don't. I, I'm, con- I'm continuing to tutor him on his Mets fandom because mm-hmm. you know he didn't grow up a Mets fan and he's keeping asking me about okay can you tell me the history everything going on and so I'm, I'm it, it's a history lesson here today for him. All right, so Willie has to go teach the history of the Mets franchise to Josh Fitty Marlowe. We have another hour to get through. Bobby Mark's gonna be joining us at two thirty to talk more about the Charlotte Hornets offseason. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.